Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I am joined by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How is your post-holiday Monday? Good, great. It's uh, I think I've finally recovered from the holiday weekend. It's take, taken mm-hmm, two, mm-hmm. three days, but it was it was a good one. It was, it was busy. Yeah, for the benefit of the international listeners, we don't have. Yesterday was July Fourth, Independence Day in the U.S. We celebrate how much we hate Britain. Not really. <laughs> That's right. Uh, our uh, freedom. Blow stuff up and eat meat outside. Yeah. Yes. We had, and we had this, this year, um, our, our holiday ended up on a Sunday night. And because people mm-hmm. are clearly don't know how to stay up late and go to work the next day, um, they, most of the places celebrated it on the Friday, Friday or Saturday. Not everybody did, but mm-hmm. a lot, a lot Early, of people did. Yeah. Um, and us. in fact, that is that is what we did. Mm-hmm. Uh, I I made the trip, the drive down, and uh, we went to our buddy Pat's place. He has a relatively new. I think he moved like a year and a half, two years ago. Um, he has a place on a lake with a with pontoon mm-hmm. boat and all of that. And so the the relatively small group. I think we had like a dozen people. Mm-hmm. Um, we went out on the lake. Uh, when it was starting to get dark and dropped anchor and watched fireworks from there. And it was cool. Yeah. Yeah. So that, that watching the fireworks thing, I know, um, Lola, my, uh, my 10 year old wants to go out all the time and swim in the water when they're letting the, the fireworks out, mm-hmm, which mm-hmm. is great. So, you know, it's dark out. It's uh you can hear the huge echoes and the booms when you're down there at water level. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah. There was a sort of, I don't know what the topography is like, but it, but it was hilly enough that the explosions from the firework fireworks would, you know, radiate outward and then bounce off of hills and and things around us, right. and so we would hear the sounds coming back at regular intervals. Yeah, so it's a boom, 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 cool. boom stuff. Yeah, yeah, it's kind of it's kind of neat, and, and that was fun. Uh, it got it was here was where we're at. It was very cool, so I was freezing my behind off for, for most of that time. Oh yeah. It, it, the weather cooled down right. a little bit, but then we went, um, and you, cause you'd stayed, uh, I went out, we, we went out with our buddy Trotsky back out the pets the, the next night to do some more celebrating and some game playing, which we'll talk about here, here. Yeah. We, we planned kind of poorly and did not, uh, we're not able to stay the night that first night. So we went home. I stayed with the Trotsky's. So I, we hung out, uh, in the morning, Mike and I, and, uh, then the three of us went back, um, went back out to Pat's and played some board games. Yeah. And uh, imbibed too much alcohol until the sun literally came up. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's been a been a few years since I've been awake when the sky was getting light. Uh, so that was. <laughs> but a, for our listeners, the great a, the great story there experience. was that we were all fall, falling one by one for for our, our tiredness and and our, our other reasons. And Dennis was one of the first ones that went up top to, cause the way his, the house we're at is on a lake. He's at the top of the hill. It's yeah. on a hill. Yeah. And so Dennis disappeared one, one, one of the first ones. And I, then I, I laid down for a bit of a nap. And then, yeah, we, uh, it's just Pat and I left and it's starting to get there and we're winding it down. We're now we're getting into the serious topics where we're just going to talk serious politics and things and then pass out. Right. And just when we're getting mm-hmm. rounded up, looking up at the top of the hill, here comes a Dennis. 
He's revived himself, and he's coming back down to, <laughs> to continue the yeah, party. Yeah, you guys were up. down the hill. Uh, Pat's got a little fire ring, so there yeah, was we a were at the fire. fire down yeah. there where you guys were. And then then I came down. We talked for a little while more, and then Pat went to bed. Trotsky went out, uh, went in to the house at some point yeah. while I was having my nap. <laughs> right. And uh, so he was gone. But, yeah, then you and, and then, I And then, yeah, Pat, Pat went to bed, and then you and I just kept talking. And, and then at one point you were like, is it just weird or is it because the light's out right now? <laughs> yeah, I I looked up and the sky was not black anymore. It was starting to become dark blue. And I'm like, I know what this means. It means we need, it to, means go we need to go to bed. You know, we did. We went upstairs, which which was even worse because or funnier because we went up there and then somehow I put the Big Lebowski on my phone and we were both so inebriated that we couldn't quite see straight. So we were just sitting in there in the dark on the floor, or on the couch or something, laughing like, two high schoolers at the random one-liners from big lebowski Quot- quoting all the line i mean i don't think i was even trying to watch it no. because i knew it was on your we phone across the room and i was on the floor on an air mattress no so i think it was actually the was phone was face down it was just that it was playing <laughs> nice nobody was even bothering yeah, we're just listening to it. nobody was trying to watch that was great uh so anyway that, but, that was really good and i spent most of my day the next day uh, recovering and watching some out the window fireworks and uh watching our movie nice. independence day yeah, we we did the same thing. I put uh, uh, Trotsky had a couple of work calls of all things on uh, on Sunday afternoon, July fourth, and so I put Independence Day on, and he and his wife came in and out. At, at one point, she was watching it with us and just kind of laughing at how awesome the ridiculousness of it was, and then she left she went outside for a few minutes and when she came back in she's like did i miss a speech we're like yeah you just oh i missed the speech dang it (laughs) (laughs) uh you want to go ahead and talk about that first we'll get that going quick all right so this week we watched the 1996 uh summer action adventure sci-fi blockbuster (laughs) saying all those words and and yeah, well, I started to say summer blockbuster, and then I'm looking at IMDb, and it says action adventure sci-fi. It's really, I mean, yeah, action adventure sci-fi is the best way to best way to say it. But it's summer blockbuster for oh, sure. Oh, for sure. Um, I don't know. I'm gonna hit the bell on this. <laughs> I mean, it's like a 25 year old movie, right? Um, or something if I'm doing math right. But anyway. Um, so this launched, uh, Will Smith's blockbuster career, some would say. Did it, it, it transitioned him from Fresh Prince into, yep, into a, uh, Men in Black and, and yep. Wild Wild West and to eventually make movies like I Am Legend and, uh. Yeah, or, or I mean, those were his action movies, but he's done, you know, some serious movies too, um, like eight, Pursuit eight of eight Happiness. Pounds, Pursuit of Happiness, yeah, I think. Eight pounds. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he sent, you know, he's he's a very, very big, pro- prolific actor. But this was one of his, if not his very first big one that he did on the big screen. Um, this was funny for me. I I don't know if I saw this in the theater or if it, it came a little later. I would have been, oh, well, it was the summer in between. So I would have been right in the middle of high school, like between uh, uh, 10th and 11th grade or something like that. Um, so it's possible that I didn't, I didn't get to the theater to see it, but I, I know the big moments. Yeah. 
And so that was kind of, you know, it's been who knows how many years since I've sat down and watched it all the way through. But I remembered all of the best lines because they're very memorable yeah. and very cheesy. Right. Um, but I was surprised how far you get into this movie before Will Smith is introduced. Oh, yeah. Yeah, right. Yeah. It's like it's like 25 minutes into the movie before you even see Will yeah, Smith. Yeah. And there's there's several several plot lines that all kind of come together at some point here. That, mm-hmm. And he, he's just one of them, right, within that stuff. Um, but again, because remember, he's now you see Will Smith, like, oh, he's the leading – the leading person they show he's the he's the right, main like right. now but then he was just tertiary character uh but was what was is what was in his a standout character of this this movie uh mm-hmm. this movie still for me it still holds up i think it's it doesn't look terrible it doesn't look like oh my gosh it's so fakey um that I, there's so many there movies at the time that the, you look watching yeah out. there were a couple movies a couple moments where i was like uh, that's a little there's a scene where the the alien fighters are bombing the air force base or the marine oh, sure yeah air base whatever you call yeah. that and i can see that it's it's cgi fire they're not blowing anything right. up because they use their whole budget for the miniatures of that building in la <laughs> all the buildings the empire state building and the white house right. when they blow those they up the monuments right yeah the uh um this the the explosions and stuff like that was really great i mean i I remember seeing it in the in the the theater and it was a perfect theater movie like you know it's these when the the uh, air force one is taking off on the airfield and there's the huge wave of fire exploding behind them fire is just behind very tension filled i remember watching on the big screen because you're seeing the come through and they're just holding Mm -hmm. on it shaking it gets louder and louder and louder like oh my gosh they made it uh so Yeah. yeah this was this is definitely a really cool surround sound explosions everywhere thing yeah. but it's summer cheesy and, and that, not, or summer mm-hmm. blockbustery and i think it actually is one of still one of the best summer blockbustery because there's a lot of summer blockbuster things that are just flat out mind-numbingly dumb i'm pointing to you transformers um and sure. still make tons of money there are some that are still good right and they're still summer blockbusters and there's a lot of misses. There's a lot of misses with summer blockbuster movies. Uh, sure. But yeah, yeah, I mean, there is, a, a, by the way, you're talking about, it holds up. This movie won one Oscar hmm. and it was for visual effects. Oh, sure. Yeah. So that, that tracks. I mean, um, I just watched parts of pieces of like the prequels and they were made around or after that, I think. And they're way worse than what anything in this right. was. Right. Right. Um, and yeah, there are parts of this story where I think Betsy was commenting on the coincidences. Like you get all of these characters, all these stories, and they seem to be all disjointed, mm-hmm. <clears throat> all random. Mm-hmm. You're like, okay, we've got Jeff Goldblum and his dad, and he's divorced, and you've got the president over here, but then his, uh, whoever she has, his press secretary or something, mm-hmm. is um his ex-wife is um i just said his name jeff goldblum's yeah jeff goldblum's ex-wife um and you know and then you know you've got uh uh will smith's uh 
girlfriend, not quite fiance, uh, Vivica Fox. And she's, you know, running, just barely surviving this explosion. And then she finds this big truck and she's saving people. And she just happens to find the first lady. Right. uh, That's that's the biggest coincidence of it all. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And then, you know, uh, Will Smith gets in this dogfight with the fighters that it almost looks like he's in the Grand Canyon. I don't really know all the topography. I thought about that. Like they were, he was, he started off in LA. Right. right? And he went to a base. They show the base because she, uh, um, Jasmine goes to the base and it's out in the desert. And you're like, okay, so he's out in the desert and he goes to this, he goes to this fight and punches the alien in the face, which is awesome. I mean, discounting that the, face he punches it's like a suit they're in like a mech suit but whatever yeah, right, yeah. um a lot of this doesn't hold up to to critical thought no right? of course you're not supposed to i mean really that's what we mean when you, we say you start that. thinking about that you're like okay you're you're, think, you're doing yeah right here, yeah. any anyway he's he's dragging the body and he just happens to find or be found by um cousin eddie and his army of rv buddies yeah like on the way to area 51 and i'm like boy it's convenient that he got found here and didn't like collapse of dehydration dragging this alien in the middle of a desert well, i mean the the, the um, thing to say that is like it wouldn't be an epic story if the heroes all died in mm-hmm. chapter one right i mean that's that's how that's yeah, how epic yeah, stories of course happen, it's, right? it's coincidence it's just that you know to compare um this with other movies in this what we call summer blockbuster a subgenre or meta genre mm-hmm. the idea is like this is a movie that's big and flashy and you want to see it on the big screen and you have, you have some level of suspension of disbelief. You accept that the story plays out the way that it tells, and you don't think about it too hard because that's not why you're there. Like you're there to be thrilled by the big explosions and laugh at the goofy one-liners. I mean, like 80% of Will Smith's dialogue is one-liners. Yeah. I mean, and, y- y- some of that, some of that stuff. But but you compare this, and so what I'm what I'm trying to say in like some elements of the story are are very convenient, are very you know coincidental, mm. and some parts of it don't hold up to critical thought. But you compare that with like I don't know Transformers Four or something that is just absolute garbage, right. um, and th- there's a reason that people you know go back to this one a lot because it. Yeah, is it's very good at what it's trying to yeah, be. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that hardly. I I do say though that the Vivica Fox thing, I I that made no sense how she just happens across the the downed, you know, in L.A. the the downed thing. But for the rest of the stuff, mm-hmm. I still say that because I've heard that before. It's like, oh, there's just too much coincidence in X or what show, and I'm like, well, honestly, when you learn about the Civil War and you realize that that this hero was at this battle that happened with this other guy with this one thing, it's because they were heroes. And now we know their story about how it led up there. It wasn't coincidence. We're only hearing about their story and how they came to be there. So if this was a real life story, you would say, who was that pilot that flew up into the thing and blew up the ship? Right. Who was that guy? And you're like, Oh, he was, he was just one of the caravan carriers. Well, how the caravanners get there. There's no way they would have been there. Like, well, they, they didn't know to go there. They found him. They drove by this guy in the desert and he was like, it's, go there. It's like, it's like a story, and you know, this is probably not too far off from how it was written. Right. It's like a story where you start at the end. Yes, right. Right? Yeah. 
at which is how history is told exactly right right like if you want to say you know in a in a history class or or whatever and you're like how did you know hitler rise to power right and you're like okay well this is the state germany was in after world war one right and how did world war one happen well you've got this and this and this and it starts with you know franz ferdinand being assassinated yeah or whatever however that detail is but in reality like it's so much more complicated than that right and the you know the the franz ferdinand thing was just like the last straw right. in it and so with this it's like okay hu humanity what earth was attacked by an unstoppable force mm -hmm. but we survived how did that happen well let's back up to all these you know so there's like these two guys went up into the mothership and this guy flew up into the the base of it and who, they had these who fighters and those they got guys? the shield down. who how, was that guy how did they get that idea right yeah. how did, let's let's back up he was here and he saw this and and this and you know all these pieces came together i made the observation when they're doing the really dumb virus thing which is classic like oh yeah like computer, computer power uh, wizardry storytelling i i was never really clear what jeff goldblum's job was I, he's um, like what, I can't. I thought he worked for a news network, but then he's a satellite. Tech? So did what I. Did he do I don't know. He, he, like he knows some satellite tech, and he makes this virus. And yeah, it's like the satellites because he's listening to the thing and finds the timer, and um, he does a thing with the virus. And I I said, this is almost the exact plot of War of the Worlds. <laughs> yeah, right? except the aliens virus. come. And we try to stop them, and we use bigger and bigger weapons. We eventually try to nuke them, and that doesn't work either. And all of that is exactly the same until the final victory. Like, the victory in War of the Worlds is that the eight... This is spoilers for War of the Worlds, which is <laughs> a radio thing from, like, 100 years ago. But um, they... Not 100 years Close. ago. Close. Um, the, the, the aliens are killed off by the common cold like the germs in our air mm -hmm. that they're not they don't have uh antibodies against right and so it's just like a a spiritual or supernatural or coincidental and uh, evolutionary however you want to say that kind of victory where in this case humans take a more active role but it's really this kind of like we just barely survived and there's this series of events that seem coincidental, but they're the things that if these things, if these dominoes didn't fall this way, you know, we would have been wiped out. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And that's, that's, that's how that works. I watched uh, So I watched after this, I watched, um, I went ahead and watched the second one. The, the, Oh, you I did. And I, I did see the second one in theater and I know for, mm. a, and I loved, I remember even when I watched that second one in theater, I was so jazzed because I loved the first one so much. And I was like, I'm going to go the, see it. Finally, get to see this. The again. premise of the sequel. We watched the trailer and we're like, oh, this is they're doing too much. Like, this is clearly going to be bad. And we knew because the, you know, the Rotten Tomato score is like 30 yeah, yeah. percent on, on critics. both critics um, and audience critics and yeah. audiences. Yeah. And but the like the very beginning of the trailer seemed interesting to me. I'm like, yeah, well, we know that even though humanity survives in this movie, it's only after L.A., New York, D.C., London, like mm -hmm. a bunch of major cities are destroyed. Right. Like, I don't think they get to the or maybe they do even get to their second wave of attacks. So, like, you have this 
you know, devastating population loss, kind of like the MCU. I, I did uh, note that they Thanos actually do, because they, they talk about how they had moved on to Chicago and some other cities after that. So, yeah. yeah. So in the first one, they did say that they, they got more. And so it's like, what in the intervening 20 years or whatever, how does humanity um, bounce back and rebuild from... Yeah from that kind of devastation. Yeah. And that seemed interesting to me. Yeah. yeah. Um, You're saying but all then good things. <laughs> I, I, I kept, I kept seeing more and more of the actors and we're like, was he, is he still alive? Was he still alive? How's, how's that guy still alive? <laughs> yeah. Um, but actually it was only 20 like, years between the things. So like Bill Poland was only like in his thirties. So, you know, or late thirties. So he wasn't that old when he made it, you know, and then, but it just felt like a long yeah. time ago. And, and Will Smith wasn't think, that old. And, you know, Jeff think, Goldblum's doing stuff for Judd Thor. Judd Hirsch was the, was the surprising um, Jeff Goldblum's dad. Oh, yeah, yeah. He, uh, and he actually looks exactly the same. Like, he looks pretty much like, the same. Holy God, that dude has um, not changed in 20 years. Maybe he was just old when he was yeah. young. I don't know. Uh, sure. But, but sure. I, I remember going to the theater, jazzed about it. And you know me, I give a lot of things a lot of leeways. And I, I knew it was a summer blockbuster, but I, I left that theater thing, and this was an awful movie and a waste of my time. And I can't believe how badly yeah. awful it was, and I was so disappointed. Uh, but I hadn't even gave it a second thought after then, because I'm like, done, not ever going to think about this movie again. And then, mm -hmm. you know, for the show, I, I saw it, I was like, oh, oh, I forgot, I'll watch it. And then I was reminded how bad it was. So, <laughs> And I'm not going to go through the whole thing. It's just bad acting. Bad writing. It was sorry, yeah. sorry. Bad writing. I should say because actors they still had a lot of the same actors in it. You've got yeah, yeah, a lot of them. We know you know. I mean, Bill Pullman has a certain level of let's say smarminess yeah. to his acting. Mm -hmm. He did a lot of uh, romance, romantic comedies, yeah. and whatnot. Uh, but he's perfect in this like cheesy, over the top president uh, character sure. in this movie. And, um, and the right, the, I mean, the, and, and we've. We talked at the top of the conversation about Will Smith's uh, dramatic um, movies. Yeah. We know get Jeff Goldblum has, over the course of his career, has become he's uh, leaned more and more into his stereotype. Yeah, uh, not stereotype. His, his own his personal persona or yeah. whatever. It's like um, a little bit like uh, shoot. Who's the guy? Christopher Walken. <laughs> yeah, right. Right. Yeah. Where you're like, I'm, you know, I'm watching uh, Jeff Goldblum's Disney, uh, Disney Plus show last mm -hmm. year, and it it seems like he's doing an impression of himself. <laughs> right. Like you watch this movie, and yes, he's doing his little sort of not stuttery, but like stop and go, yeah, like method of delivery of his lines. And one of either Mike or Betsy was like. I think he's gotten more weird as he's aged. Yeah, we're like the others of us were like. I mean, yeah, that's how it he works. Just leaned into I it think more, for, right, yeah. for for all of us, but yeah, yeah for um, for him especially. So that's that's telling that even in this meta genre with the lowest of expectations, um, it still yeah. was so, not. Uh, so it was. was the, not like I said it wasn't just it wasn't you know I watched we watched again it wasn't the directing Roland Emmerich did the first one and he did this one and they were fine. Mm -hmm. Like the cinematography was fine. The special effects were fine. They were all really pretty decent. It was just the most horrible writing like that you could mm -hmm. have. And, and I did a little bit of reading afterwards, finding out that like Roland Emmerich changed writers at the last minute. And then they rewrote, rewrote the whole script and they were all young writers and they, uh... they rewrote the whole thing up, like 
when I say young writers, I'm like twenties, you know, mid twenties people. And they rewrote mm-hmm. it like they were mid twenties people where all these, you know, twenty uh, something year old kids are now the main heroes of the thing because they just want to pass the baton onto these. And, and then, and then everything else where the old people were in it, were are just in it to, uh, you know, say, Hey, we have got the old people in it. Right. They were, they had kind I of see. some major parts ish, but they were just terribly underused. They didn't know what their character, the writers clearly didn't watch the first one, but maybe once and, and didn't mm-hmm. know anything about it. And they just wrote this other movie with terrible other characters. And then, so when you see this, Will Smith had, um, at this time he was going to make suicide squad or this, and he chose to do okay. suicide squad and suicide squad was not a great movie, but no, he, right. but this, this man, this professional actor who's done, you know, dozens of movies and won all sorts of awards, took a look at these two scripts and he said, this one's hot garbage and this one is okay. <laughs> and that's what he chose. And, and, and he's made some movies that are, that are not great. Right. Like Wild Wild West is not good. No, right. And so he, he, knows. he, he knew, he knew that this one was not good. And he, he was very kind with, Oh, I just scheduling conflicts, but I'm like, everybody mm-hmm. else was in this. He clearly would have been the top bill. And, and, and cause he, he also seems like, you know, obviously I don't know him personally, but he seems like the kind of guy who would, uh, who would say that, who would not trash this movie publicly. Yeah, right. But we'd be like, Oh yeah. I was, Sad it couldn't work out. Couldn't work, no. like, it was you know. it was terrible. And I and I had read that his part was just supposed to be like the dad to the main character. So he's just like, oh, of you course. know, of course, always giving him giving him advice when he doesn't want it because he's the new hotshot pilot. Like when Jeff Goldblum was in uh, Jurassic World two, whatever that was called. Yeah, right. Yeah, but like he's in one scene at the end being super Jeff Goldblum, uh, Doctor Ian Malcolm. Yeah, but yeah. That's it in the whole movie. Yeah. So you put him in the trailer and you're like, oh, Jeff Goldblum's in it. Yeah. But it's just, he's only technical. And, and none, none of the, and the second one, none of the storylines make any sense. None of the reasons they do things make sense. None of the alien mm-hmm. stuff they do does make sense. And then Brent Spiner's in there and got a more expanded part in this one uh, mm-hmm. as that crazy doctor. And yeah, his part in the original is pretty it's, small. It's much bigger in this one. And he, he, that character should not be a main character. And he's just right. he's just a terrible yeah, it's just so Yeah, just, I mean yeah. in the original he's he's an exposition machine. Yes. A device. Right. So so anyway, like I said, the the CGI or the, the fight scenes were were sufficiently cool, but but you just kinda always intermixed with bad dialogue, bad acting from mm-hmm. these young actors. And the young actors they chose were terrible. They were all yeah. terrible. Liam Hems Liam Hemsworth didn't did a, a serviceable job in in his part, but everyone else was gratingly annoying. Um, I I remember I remember that in the trailer because we're watching it, and at one point I went, "Is that a Hemsworth? Yeah, Is Hemsworth. that the other Hemsworth?" Yeah. <laughs> well, they had in in all the let's just say let's say Independence Day one. You know how they had all these these disparate stories, right? That that you follow along mm-hmm. now. In any of those, in all those stories, interject an incredibly annoying character that you hate into every single one, and mm. and you're like, oh, I don't want to, I don't want to watch any of these things. They're they're all terrible. If anything, it was very more like Pacific Rim level, Pacific Rim two level of of okay. stuff. It's just, I don't know. So I'm just railing on it, but it's I was so disappointed that they had such a a good opportunity for because at the beginning it does the whole thing you said with the trailer, like oh the world's come along, this uh, humanity's 
you know, advanced and we're, we're preparing and mm -hmm. we've got technological, like, this is great. We're all like finally thinking that no, it doesn't matter. Let's, you know, moving on past that squandered opportunities. So it's, yeah, it's like, not, not great, but I do like the first one. Thumbs up still. I think it holds up. I think it's fun. Nice. nice. And there's that. He's that hearing that, that uh, speech is still pretty great. Mm -hmm. Right. Will not go quietly we'll not into go the night. Quietly into the night. Yeah. <laughs> is, is a great one. Uh, okay. Well, what do we got next for our our movie lineup? I think it's your turn to to pick. Yes. Yeah, I was I was gonna maybe pick a kids movie, but I'll wait until uh, um, you have Sid back. Maybe I'll, I'm interested to see whether some of these hold up for present day mm -hmm, mm -hmm. young people because I have a couple of those on my list. But instead, we're gonna watch a movie I know nothing about, okay. but heard <laughs> just like a lot of these that I heard uh, heard about on a podcast and uh, um, thought sounded interesting. Um, this is a movie from 1990, so it's even older than the one we just saw. It says comedy drama on IMDb, so okay. I don't know what that means because those are the opposite. <laughs> but uh, it's got Gary Oldman, Tim Roth, Richard Dreyfuss. It's called Rosencrantz and Guildenstern Are Dead. Oh, I've never heard that ever. <laughs> yeah, the the synopsis says two minor characters from Hamlet stumble around unaware of their scripted lives and unable to deviate from them uh, okay that's interesting hey did you ever watch that yeah. show with um will ferrell where he was a writer a writer's character oh yeah yeah uh stranger than fiction i actually liked that show we we watched that recently that's uh you got dustin hoffman you yeah. got um emma um thompson emma thompson yeah yeah, yeah. That, that, that's a good show and that that, mm -hmm. that, that, that at least that part where you just said sounded familiar to that type thing yeah the like scripted reality thing so yeah this is all i know about this but uh rosencrantz and guildenstern are dead yep. that is a mouthful to say by the way maybe <laughs> that's why he didn't get well no one could say it and do word of mouth because they're like uh, the the dead movie you mean walking dead yeah sure. it <laughs> it won some awards but there are no awards things you would ever have heard of <laughs> the it, BAFTA it won some stuff at the venice film award. festival yeah. that's funny yeah exactly the, the springfield exactly. wisconsin award for theater right. but they're not uh <laughs> they're not um they're not razzie awards so that's no a, that's that's definitely good a, a good oh my goodness good sign okay so i guess we can go back to let's go back to uh we did uh, we did get going back to our weekend we got to get together we said on uh saturday and got to play some board games uh, mm -hmm. we played some smaller board games cause there was less of us around. Uh, yep. and we, but we played a, a new game. I think you have, or you brought it called canvas, right? Yep. Yeah. Yep. We had this awkward kind of, and I brought, I mostly brought games that were new mm -hmm. that I've, that I've bought recently in the last year or so. I also brought that Arkham horror card game. Oh yeah. I liked uh, that but, game. Uh, that was fun. We, we played it was just two player yeah. I, for, for a little while. I'd thought that I might, uh stay with you mm -hmm, at mm -hmm. your place and if it had just been the two of us then we maybe would have played that yeah, but that uh i brought some newer games the only one of them we played was this canvas and it is how to describe this i'll put a link in the show notes but it is another one of these games using what aeg has trademarked as their card crafting system yeah yeah um it's a system where you have transparent cards and you you know overlap them and put them in a sleeve to make a sort of hybrid card. Yeah. I, I um, like I like that mechanic in games. Yeah. I, I I always say I first saw this in the 
um, the card game Gloom, where you're trying to kill off your family. Not your family, but you're, you have a, fa- a, a, a deck of four family members, mm-hmm. and they're supposed to have very tragic lives and, and die right. horribly. And then you're playing cards on your opponents to have good things happen to them because <laughs> you want a negative score. It's a weird sort of thematic thing. But the mechanic of it is these cards overlay. And so, you know, you've got a thing with a minus 15. Well, somebody plays a part of their story that has a 20 on that same circle. So it swings their, their score back. Um, this is a sort of, what do you say? Set collection? Yeah. Kind yeah, of. Yeah, set collection. Kind of idea. Yeah. Um, it's got the, uh, it's got the market mechanic that we often, um, describe as being from Century yeah. or Century, Century Gollum. Um, it's this idea of there is a market of cards in the middle, what we call a market, like a set of five cards in the middle that. Uh, players can buy or draw and if you um if you want to buy one further down the stack like the the number one card is free and if you want to buy the number two card you have to put a coin on the number one card and so on if you want the number five card you have to put a coin on all four then when you buy or pick up a card you get all the coins that are on it so it has this kind of there's nothing inherently making the higher level cards more valuable they're just new they get drawn on and then the the cards slide down so if there's something out there that you really want you can push your luck and wait for it or put coins out there and um you know potentially not have that flexibility later if you spend all your coins then you're stuck just taking the number 1 slot card all the time yeah that that um, mechanic happened to ruin the game for me in that that <laughs> not because of how it should work it just it, it yeah we only played it once um mm-hmm. in that in this case uh it was we had a new player and had not used to playing these games and he just kept taking the points off the board and the way it came mm-hmm. around to me is that i was never able to pick up anything but the first card so right. so it was never there was never a game to it for me beyond this like whatever cards was dealt to me and kind of like it seems like there's like there should have been some coins though all you know Trotsky was ahead of you so yeah, I don't Trot- know so, quite so it was it was the way that would work as you doing. or or Pat who's to my left Pat. would put one or two coins you were only putting one or two coins down to grab the first couple mm-hmm. and then he would collect those in the free slot one with all the stuff mm-hmm. on them and if there was anything on the one slot it got moved down to the free slot so Trotsky could take it or anything else so occasionally I, I could get so one. By the time it got to you, there were no coins on the one slot. On the one or or, or zero yeah. slots or anything. Because he would take he would always take them all. Um yeah. and, and even though which, even though he didn't need which to, right? Strategy ended up working for him because he won. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, but, uh, he won. So you can't really I couldn't really yeah. second guess him on that be one. But he t- had too upset. Yeah. You don't get yeah. points for those coins. And you and you no, he had it's a, like it's the tiebreaker times more than anyone else had, you know, mm-hmm. and never never used them. Like he never used the coins. Right. Uh, um but anyway, you pick up these cards and they're transparent, and you have three um basically template cards. Like they have different colors and the, the game it, it's called canvas, yeah. so it's art themed. Yeah. Um but you pick up these cards and there are uh five color slots that are fixed in order and that's indicated on your template and then 
you can draw up to five cards, and once you have five, you have to, but you can before this. Once you have at least three, and at most five, you have to take three of your cards and assemble a painting. And by that I mean you stack them together, and they all have at least two colors, and those colors will have symbols and also another sort of mechanic. And then there's a deck of scoring cards, so the game is a little different every time you play, that will say, you know, if you get, if you use all five colors, you get a medal, or then they're little ribbons, yeah. right, like, like at the fair. Or if you get all four symbols, you get this medal over here. Yeah. And then the medals score exponentially. Yeah, and this is where the, the, um, the set collection part comes in. Because yeah, the main this part is where of the, the set collection and, and, the, and the, the, the real like, like points of it. If you get all five colors, you get uh, whichever color. I think it's the red um, ribbon. Yeah. If you have, and you're only going to do three paintings, right? Which is why you start with three templates. If you have one red ribbon, you get one point. If you have two, you get three points. But if you have all three, you get nine. So at least with the points that we were using, and I, I imagine this is true throughout the deck, you're incentivized to specialize, right? Like you can try to get all of them every time, yeah. but the difference between getting all five colors on two of your paintings or on all three is three times as many points. Right. Which, which that's, was that's not that's not always yeah. true. Which, which, like I said, for for, for me to review, it's hard to say because I that only matters if you're given opportunities to focus. Like, like if I can actually <laughs> pick different cards right. besides what, right. what I'm given. Yeah, you get it. I think for most of us, it started out very, you know, positive. We're like, okay, I got this, this, and this, and that gives me these three or these four ribbons, and everything's great. And then you get further in where. You don't have as many of, I say coins, they're actually little paint palettes right. like Bob Ross uses, but they're essentially coins in the in the mechanics of the game. Yeah. As you get more coin poor, you have to take cards that you don't really want, and then you're trying to, like, you keep changing your which three cards from your stack of five, and you're like, if I do this and this, then this works, but I'm not going to get this one, and then what if I put this one on top? Yeah. Then, okay, that's better here, and you're doing this sort of dance yeah of trying to optimize your and your paintings. and and, the, and while i like i like the the top parts of the car like we're saying the painting part of it like because mm -hmm. really uh, trotsky disagreed with me on this one but this this felt like someone who figured out a cool set matching using mechanic with this kind of thing and then they said okay uh what what theme can we use for this and then they put a theme on it like because the painting sure. parts of it had no bearing on any of it like you it didn't for the way that we played although uh our buddy pat did lean into that a little bit he, he was little, good at that like he made he a little made it role better. play yeah. kind of scheme because the cards and i didn't describe this at all the cards have bits of art on them so your your template card will have a, a sort of abstract background that's just it's not quite a solid color but for all intents and purposes it is and then one of your cards has a has a girl on a ladder and one has some barbed wire and the other has a big stack of books and then the cards will have a word or two no, i mean it only has one word but when you stack them together you'll end up with two words and so you're like oh this one is called sudden memory and it's this and this and so you you kind of try to i i was doing a little bit of that like yeah. in addition to try and get the symbols right i'm like okay this is this but 
I want the window pane on top of the floating elephant uh, thing. And that's just a, that comes down to a player thing. Right, cause, the cause part of that, there's, that no, I, there's no, that's not points. Or, there's no points or. Yeah, there's no mechanical. No, it's just. There's no mechanical element to that. And what I, what I appreciated about that is I have a hard time with those sort of art theme games that are too art. Like they're too subjective. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't know if we've talked about this on the podcast, but I very much dislike the game of Dixit, which is like uh, Cards Against Humanity or Apples to Apples, but with art. Yeah. And so people have to associate words based on these weird abstract painting. They're not abstract, but these weird paintings on the cards. And a lot of people love that game, and I just do not like it at all. <laughs> do uh, not, not at all. Because like the the those Impress the Judge games are subjective enough to my mind right. that to add art into it just makes it completely incomprehensible. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this, this, there was no judge. So it's not like that's it. That was important. Right. Right. Uh, so, so the, yeah, the, 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 the canvas part of it, if you, if you're getting a game like, Ooh, it's a game where we can, you deal with art with your, well, not really. It's kind of like art is just an extra thing on the game, on the, the gameplay of it. Yeah, uh, yeah, which is it's fine, you know, it's nice. And and thankfully, the... thankfully, we had somebody like Pat on there that could like I chose this artwork based on the, which yeah. was great, right? I love that. It's the it's the table appeal, yeah, right. You set up all this stuff with the the different colors and the little wooden easels that are kind of pointless, and you know, people look at it and they're like, "Ooh, what's that?" <laughs> yeah, uh, yeah, and the little easels. Yeah. You had the Kickstarter version, which I think the kick right is that right? The Kickstarter version. Yeah, yeah, I I paid extra for the little like the instead of the cardboard punch outs of like the ribbons and the and the little coins, the easel or the palette coins. Yeah. Um, it's all little wood bits, but it all still fits in the box. And, and, and although the the easels themselves were kind of useless, all the bits was worth it. I think all the extra stuff was it was nicer. yeah i mean there's a whole there's a whole company there's a company whose whole business model is just making wooden bits to replace cardboard bits oh yeah and it's i mean for a game you play enough i think it's definitely worth it i don't know that i've ever bought any of them but like for um i think they're the ones unless somebody else does this because a lot you know there's that's uh that is popular enough of a concept that the this company they're called uh not broken token they they do the wooden box yeah. inserts uh, meeple source yeah. is this site because they make custom meeples so for a game like lords of waterdeep that we play right, a lot right. uh the base game is cubes they're cubes of four or five different colors but those cubes represent people they represent different types of agents right. that you're trying to trying to get and so um everybody trotsky has these they're are custom little they're not as big as the um carcassonne meeples which is where the meeple designation comes from but they're little guys that you know some of them have like a hat or whatever Mm -hmm. and they're just silhouettes they're meeples but it's you know to me adds to the 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 thematicness whatever the theme yeah um um kind of what what you're doing for stuff yeah yeah yeah. you know it makes it less abstract yeah basically yeah that's the, that's i had seen one of that for like the champions of midgard which is a game that i like and and champions mm-hmm. of midgard you get like dice or you get things that are like your warriors and stuff and then you but when you get yeah. the upgraded thing you can get like dice that look like their warriors you know with the, the they still right. have the thing it's just the you know whatever the little chips that come with the other blocks it's not 
as cool. But that kind of costs money and adds to the box price, right? Right. And I, right. And I like the the upgrades type stuff. That, it's, a, that it's an option. If you if you get the game and you know your group plays it a lot, you maybe spring for the broken token. Uh, I keep saying broken token for the Meeple Source. Uh, you know, upgrade kit. Right. Yeah. Which is which is really cool. That it has it's really neat that they, that that has they have little wooden birds or or whatever. Speaking of dice, mm-hmm. um, we also we also played a game called Dice Forge, which I know you've played oh, yeah. in real life. I I have only played it on Board Game Arena. Right. Um, which so, we had a whole conversation about, like like because there's been games that you've only played on Board Game Arena, you've never had to deal with putting it away, picking it out, setting it up type stuff. The, the setup, tear down, the like. Some of the math that the game handles for you, I had that experience and, playing and rules um, or things like that. Yeah, playing Six Nimit in real life, and I'm probably not pronouncing Six Nimit right, but um, we've talked about that game yeah. at length. But same, same um, thing, like you, you've not, it, playing something online is different than playing it in person, if not for the simple fact that you don't have to do the admin parts of things. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we've talked about the various ways of playing board games online at length. Like uh, most of the games that we played on Tabletop Simulator, you sort of do have to really know the game before, not always, it's not essential, but y- you know, the game is not going to manage the rules for you yeah. unless the map, the mod is is very very good. And on Board Game Arena, it does. And so so that was a change, but it was cool to you know, see all of the elements of the game in their in their original form. Yeah. Um, snapping the little plates in and out of the dice was kind of cool. Yeah. Um, we were playing outside, which made that a little nerve wracking. <laughs> so if I, if I push on this a little too hard, it's going to go flying, and it might go through the crack in the deck. Yeah, I was always worried and about. Somebody's going to have to go downstairs and get it. Right. And yeah, so we were we were very cautious. If, if that, it wasn't like but, that, I mean, plus I was like. When I was rolling, I was just kind of little rolling, so it wouldn't roll anywhere mm-hmm, off. Or anything. Yeah, mm-hmm. uh, but I do, I do enjoy rolling. Like I said, that 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 game is about rolling dice, and you roll every turn. Yeah, right. It was it was hard on board game arena. Your your dice are laid out flat, right in a two by three grid. You see right. all the faces, right? And so it was weird to have to pick up my dice and look at them to go, wait, which one is the one that has red gems on it that I was putting red on? And right. it's okay, that's this one. And which one do I put the the times three on? Is it this one or is it this one? And yeah, yeah. I mean, there's there's a, there's was... a lot of good advantages to having digital games, right? And and I know that when I talk about, I wish Lords of Waterdeep had a had an app type thing so I could play it multiple times quickly and not have to set up and tear down things like that. But you know, there's that, that, mm. that goes also back to the sometimes having a tactile type thing where you are yeah you know holding yeah. something and picking things up waterdeep does have an app i think it, it might it does. still be oh mobile. i meant i meant uh champions of midgard sorry oh midgard yeah, yeah. no Lords of waterdeep's perfect example like i like that game too yeah. but because it's the same thing we always talk about when it comes out with a good app then you almost never want to play the game which is unfortunate right, because playing the game is fun still too right yeah yeah, yeah. So anyway, it's th- just, it was nice having that dice forge because of that. The, the different thing. experiences. I know for me, it's nice to, you know, just be, you know, I play so many more games now, uh, thanks to Board Game Arena and with guys that I wouldn't normally see, but, you know, once every four or five years, like right. our buddy Coxwell. Right. Yeah. Yeah. It's, it's just kind of a different thing. Um, yep. Yep. And what else, what else did we play? Oh, oh we, uh, here's the other one that's that's has some setup things, but I, I think is... W- worth it for it was we played war of whispers mm. remember that yeah this this game was like 
it was like and we talked about this it's like somebody wanted to make a game of thrones game but couldn't get the licensing deal yeah um and so just made it a sort of generic uh theme with some some standard kind of medieval uh house symbology yep, yep, right there's sure. like a, a lion on one and a and a dragon head and a horse right um and, but but you, yeah. you get the feeling of when we say Game of Thrones type game, it was that uh, a pol- political kingdom espionage type stuff, right? Have, have, yeah, this like this like sort of behind the scenes maneuvering in a way that I'm sure has has been done in some form before, but seemed completely new to me. It, it definitely felt new to me, and I, I I loved it because it was all the mechanics of it felt very new. Yeah, there are, so there are regions on the board, and the board is a circle. There's five regions, yeah, five countries. Yeah, um, and the the circle format of the board is important, it right? Is, That's huh? how you determine turn order. Um, and unlike, you know, most games, unlike Risk or or any of the others, the the dudes on the map, as we say, um. Are not yours. They don't belong to any person playing. Yeah, they they don't belong to anyone. And your your little guys are are a dude sitting in a chair. So you're like putting putting your agent in in some role for a um, for a nation. Yeah, for a country. And there are things that you can do with that power. Sometimes yeah. you can attack. Sometimes you can recruit. Sometimes you can get cards. And the cards are the are the randomness of it. Um, it has one-to-one elimination combat, unlike, you know, Risk or, or Scythe yeah, or no, any of those. No like, rolling stupid dice. Yeah. There, there's no randomness in the combat. Like, yeah. if you can put more dudes on your space than there are on the adjacent space you want to int- attack, you can just do that. There are three yeah. there. You build up five. You go in. You take three from both sides. And now you control with, with that with other two left over. Yeah, you have two. Yeah. And and yeah. it and it's just very elegantly keeps that in check by having a cap. Like you can only have four. Or you can only have four right. guys. And with with right. if you unless you're in your own territory something where you've got this special thing, you can do six, four turn or something. But that's that's yeah. that's it. And then once you move in, you also invading other countries, you have to leave guys behind. So it's never like this steamrolling thing that you can do in risk yeah. or whatever. You're you know? you're never going to you're never going to attack more than once. I mean, maybe twice if you get access to two seats on that council. Yeah. Um, and then at, from the start of the game, you have a layout, a ranking of the different countries. So you have, you know, and... and per, Personal ranking, those, like you do, I do, and they're all yeah, different. Yeah, yeah per, per player. And those um, go in a ranking from... Four, three, two, zero, and negative one. Right. So from the start, there's a country that you want to do very well, and it's secret, and a country and you know, you, and yeah, and these are hidden, mm-hmm. and there's also a country that you want to fail. Yeah, because it could because if they have if they have the most of whatever it is you're going for, if you have the most of it at the end of the game, you get negative points for them winning. So you really want to do them get, well. And the neat thing about this is that when you choose, when we said there aren't any players on the board that you, that, like you won't control anything, you can kind of control all of them. So and when it's my turn, I can put like an agent down on 
this one city and to recruit uh, guys. And I choose to recruit them poorly. I put them in terrible spots, right? right? Yeah. Uh, so, and yeah. the next time um, we come around and somebody else is, you know, building them up or attacking, you can, you see that they're going to go and attack your number one probably. So what you do is you quickly send your agent over to the marshal to attack the wrong person. And then now some, they can't attack. Them, right. You know? Right. And, and the, here's my favorite part of the, this game is the, 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 the final twist, the final twist, which you can actually have in a couple of times in the game, but the, it's got a mechanic that every round there's only like what, four rounds in this game. That's it. Um, and you, it's, it's three with a weird kind of starting round. I right. Think. So you, uh, at any point you can switch your allegiance. So you can say, we mentioned he, Dennis, you said there's five, you know, in order of the thing, you, the, uh, top to worst, which you want to these people to end up in. But at any time right. you can switch those like, Oh, my number one guy is getting dogged on by everybody and it's terrible. Uh, but this other other country is succeeding really well. Everybody's really making this one. So you just decide to make that country uh, the, your number one, and you can put it in the number one slot, and you switch it with whatever that num- that number one slot is currently. Put it in that slot, and then you have to reveal it, and everybody sees it. So everybody then knows what your number one to or whatever those two swaps positions are. Right. And and so you're, it's kind of like. That's my why it's my favorite is that you can always feel that you're getting ganged up on sometimes in games or just because mm-hmm. of randomness or something happened and it's like ugh, you always feel picked on at times or you're really succeeding um, and you, there's nothing you can do about it. Oh my gosh, Pat's on top of me and Trotsky's getting me from this side and I can't, you know, my, my number one's never going to win. But then you can be like, good job, Pat and Trotsky. Uh, I'm going to be on your side now. And then because they did so well and focused so hard they've given you points at the end of the game, mm-hmm. you know, and I, and I absolutely loved that. And, and you, a lot of times you don't know that until the very end, people aren't swapping their tokens until the very last turn. Um, and then people know what they're going for in that last turn, which is really kind of neat. You and you and Trotsky did not reveal though. So we did, we did not know what, no, what you, no. you, you had. I, I also came in absolute last place because my number four was everyone else's minus one. <laughs> That's right. We were dogging like, on that one. At the oh, end. no wonder you guys. I did have a brief moment where I attacked something that made Trotsky unhappy, and that was satisfying for me. <laughs> but it's a, yeah, it's a really weird, it's like, you know, games where there's a traitor kind of thing, except everybody, you know, has that potential to be a traitor, and you'd never know. Um, this is a thing that... Um, lords of Waterdeep has where there are secret objectives Mm -hmm. except it's all secret objective yeah like you're you're the whole game trying to deduce like which which countries which player is hoping will do well and because there is a plus four and a plus three some of that can be misleading you're like you know i i probably was too satisfied with the level of success my number 3 had i'm like this is pretty good and so if i get a couple of you know on my number 4 mm-hmm. on my plus 4 then that'll be okay and it was not enough yeah but, yeah the yeah, yeah the you learn and and you kind of don't want to do too well early on even even through mid game you don't want to like if you're really putting all of your agents onto one country and making them super succeed you're it's not really helpful there because then if, if they're very, very, very successful in ruling the board, then everyone is just going to pick those. And, and that means now the second and third pick is, you know, the, the actual winners of the game. And you have just put all your eggs in one basket that everybody knows about. Mm-hmm. So 
yeah. Yeah, it's 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 a real it's really cool. It has a lot of different things. I love the way it at uh, another mechanic is that you only have one age or two agents at the beginning. The next round you pull one agent back and you put two more out. So you're always you start off with just like very simple amounts of turns. Right? You mm-hmm. two turns and then now you get next time you get three turns and the next time you get four turn four actions I'd say. Uh mm-hmm. so it, it just is a nice build. Uh, on that kind of thing. So the, I played this the second time I played it. I, I really liked it the first time. I got I tied for first and got second place. And this time I tied for second, so I got third place. Mm-hmm. Um, but I still felt like I had fun, and it was I never felt I never felt like I said that ganged up that that sucky feeling in the game. Because mm-hmm. uh, as soon as I did, I was like, huh. Well, I remember my number one got hit a couple times early on. I was like, uh, okay, sure. Fine. Whatever. I just won't deal with them anymore. You know, which was nice. Okay. What else yeah. did we have that we did? Oh, we did. Uh, you did llama for the first time. Yeah. I played llama for the first time. It's which you, I know that we called it different. Uno. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it has a lot of things positive going for it than uh, compared to uno. Um, it's always interesting. Like what becomes popular in what ways i think another uh sort of benefit to um to using board game arena is that it is an international website right Uh, like there are a lot of these games especially some older games and this probably happens in newer games we just don't know about it because everybody we know is american um older games like you know the whole well, I don't know if this is true, but, you know, the concept of, like, a deck of cards. There's no text on a deck of cards. So you don't have to be able to speak the same language to play to play a card game. You just need the rules explained to you in your own language. Um, in, anyway, all of that to say that I think there are games that we are learning about from Board Game Arena that are popular in other countries. Uh, right? Like, sure. in, you know... In Germany, they have Six Nimit, where here we have Phase 10. I don't know. I'm just picking Phase 10 randomly. Right. Um, and so I I was starting down a road of, like, wondering what made Uno so popular and ubiquitous here in the U.S. compared to a game like, like Llama, or I think it has a more... There's more to the name than just Llama. But anyway, um, two things that I like about Llama compared to Uno... <laughs> Is that there is no, like, weird meta thing you have to do at a certain amount of cards, right? Like, that's a that's a thing in the official Uno rules, that if you don't yell Uno when you have one card, somebody can call you on it, and now you have to draw two cards. I don't like stuff like that. <laughs> it's, it's goofy. Um, and there are no cards in this game that are aggressive, right? There are no skips or draw fours, or any of that kind of stuff. And I know that to somebody else, those those pros and cons could be reversed. Yeah, right? sure. You know, some people in certain contexts, you know, like that, uh, the more combative style of of game. Um, now, now, this and... this is different because unlike, unlike what we were just saying about the, uh, the Dice Forge with uh, the advantage of playing on Board Game Arena, this one is not so great, Board Game Arena. Because unless you're playing in real time, I guess. Yeah, yeah. I don't I don't know about in person versus uh versus board game because we've seen that there's really nice setup right? for like, Lama. It's like there's no advantage of yeah. setup there. Yeah. Six Nimit and um 
and ink and gold and maybe to a to a certain extent um can't stop especially if there's a little bit of math involved like um ink and gold doesn't have much math hmm. uh can't stop doesn't have a lot but it has a little bit six nimit has a lot of math relatively speaking um i mean none of this is you know differential calculus it's you know pretty straightforward but when you're playing on board game arena and it's late and everybody's a little bit buzzed it's nice to have a website do the math for you yeah then trying to trying to count up your scores by hand or using the calculator on your phone um and i've not played llama real time on board game arena i've only played it turn-based and it's one of those that's really like in turn-based you've taken all of the energy and the joy out of the game it's the same thing with six nimit and ink and gold like the the fun and the excitement of the game is playing in person and like watching wait a minute like what are you gonna do you gonna stay i think you should you probably want to go no you can do it you can push (laughs) it push it one more time you can do it you you'll get it it's not gonna be a spider come on do it right um and yeah i mean llama doesn't have really any of that you're just kind of going around just like you do with uno um basic kind of climbing game we did play the party version which has a couple of new mechanics which are you know compared to the uno bonus cards they're pretty tame they're just you know if you have a card with the plus you can play a second card but you have to play a second or you have to take a second turn that's very important because if you you know if you have the three plus and you don't have a three or a four to go with it you can play that three plus but then you have to draw a card because you have to take a second turn right um and yeah so that was fine that was fun i was annoyed that i could not find and actually i just remembered that i was going to try to go by the game store on my way home even though it's way out of my way now that they've moved okay yeah Um, but you you went to pat's house so you should have actually because you kind of went down that same way kind of i went the other way just where google took me but um because i could not find this game on amazon like i wanted to go on amazon and spend you know probably 11 to 14 dollars and just buy it and i couldn't there's 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 like third-party sellers where you maybe have to pay shipping and it won't get here until late july and like no none of that is i wanted it like for next week when uh, some of my family comes from out of town oh right like it's a it's a perfect like goofy dumb kind of family game that's you know like a new uno right yeah yeah it, it, it is a it is a a dumb easy game i mean it's it, there's nothing mm-hmm. there's nothing hard about it um no. it's nothing yes our, some of our friends like to like to point out oh there there are choices but i mean there's choices in uno too it's not like it's there's a lot of choices it's not like no. the game, like we, we were playing this last time and the first like three games or something, people went out in the first, like one, two, three, four, five, six, they were out without doing anything. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's, it's just random, you know? And then we, the, we ended the game because, because those people went out, someone's had sixes and llamas and didn't get it, but there's out. Therefore a game was over in two rounds or something. Uh, right. It, it's just, you can't worry too much about the game. It's just fun. And you're just playing it with people and friends and, and then, and games usually go so quickly that you can just play another one, right? Mm-hmm. It, it's it's really not that big a deal, and uh, we we always enjoy it for the when we go to the bar, we'll put it out there and have a good time with it, without thinking too much about it. Uh, so we like, and like I said, there's no real setup to it. You just mix the cards and shuffle them out and play. 
and then yell at each other because they put the oh you put a three out instead of a two again you jerk <laughs> mm-hmm, mm-hmm. so but fine I, I i we like it it's for it's for you know, yeah. our friend group there uh i think that covers all the games we played yeah we did. well we technically played point salad but we've talked about point salad yeah and, and i'll, it, I'll put a link to it again it's a fun you know relatively light different kind of game yeah yeah like, like that uh what else i have a couple of quick show recommendations two very different shows that I actually have on our list here from uh a week or two ago yeah um, I have a show that I feel like I have to have mentioned before on the podcast because for me it's an old classic, something my dad watched, something my grandpa watched. Um, it's an old BBC series about um, a couple of vets, veterinarians okay. in the Yorkshire Dales in England. Okay. Um, in the beginning of the show is set in the 30s, so it's between the wars, World War One and Two. Um, and it actually spans enough time that the war does happen, like between a couple of seasons. Um, What's the name? But of the sh- it's called. Name? Okay. It's called All Creatures Great and Small. Oh, okay. It's based on a series of books um, by who a guy who I think is not quite the main character, but it's sort of based on his experiences, um, and it's you know it's British TV from the seventies. So there are elements of it that are a little bit cheesy. Um, some parts of the production production value are not very high in this sort of BBC way. It's like the, I feel like we've talked about this before when last year I was watching um, I, Claudius. Oh, yeah. Um, this isn't so old that they have to deal with weird sort of time, you know, aging makeup and, and any of that kind of stuff. But the... Um, the costuming is all very accurate. Um, I mean, in this time they were wearing, you know, tweed flannel suits and, and sweaters and stuff. And so it's kind of funny to watch, you know, as a modern uh, viewer, because, you know, he'll do stuff like drive out to this farm and he's got an old crappy, uh, you know, 1930s era car. And he's got to, you know, aid a, aid a cow that's calving, right? The, cow has a calf and he's gonna have to you know stick his arm in there and so and so he's he's taken off the jacket of his suit he's taken off the sweater uh vest that he's got on underneath he's he's unbuttoning the cuff of his shirt and rolling the sleeve up and then he's soaping up his arm like he's gonna do all that and then he's gonna wash his hands he's gonna dry and he's gonna put all of that stuff back on because (laughs) that was just how they dressed at that time um and then there's funny sort of subtle uh, stuff with the dialogue. Um, the main characters all have pretty normal um, North Northern English, you know, Yorkshire accents. But then um, the farmers that they talk to will sometimes have really thick accents. And they have some, like, some of the last, last traces of the King James English, right? Where they'll oh, yeah. still, they'll still throw in a thee or thou um, in <laughs> yeah. their normal like very heavily uh you know rural accented english that they're right. that they're talking and then they're sort of banter and and uh and quips between the characters because his his boss um has his little brother working with them who is um one of the 
uh, like the fifth or sixth doctor in Doctor Who, in classic Doctor Who. Mm -hmm. And his brother, you know, the older brother will give him a hard time, but he's like almost, and he's the guy running the, the practice. He'll, he's almost kind of bipolar where he'll, you know, be, you know, uh, like, like ranting and raving at him one day. And then the next morning it's completely forgotten. And he's like, no, it's fine. Are you going to go out and look at, um, Miss Jenkins's cat, she called, somebody should have been out there half an hour ago. Like, just a normal, it's, but it's, it's, it's good. It's, um, I've seen most of it. And so I've been watching it sort of in the background while I'm doing stuff like playing World of Warcraft. Yeah. Um, and it's, and it's pretty good. It's, you know, it's, uh, it's a show about vets. So they're every so often dealing with a situation where they have to put an animal down. Um, I bring that up as a, as a, sort of trigger warning oh yeah um and you know it's tv from the 70s so you're gonna see animals like real animals but they're not you know they're not gonna show stuff that's too too graphic beyond you know stuff that you would really see if you were dealing with farm animals so so um, interesting note i had looked up for this i remember you had mentioned this did you realize that they have a remake of this from the 70s that in 2020 they launched new all creatures great and small you know i feel like i saw that when i was googling something but i whatever i was doing at the time i didn't have time to look into it yeah so so if you've watched that season and you're enjoying it maybe you should compare and contrast the new thing check out the remake i yeah i'm very skeptical (laughs) i mean of course of course you are you're you're right into the to the old one right in the middle original yeah yeah yeah. you're like oh my gosh how can you redo a thing that i'm i'm enjoying right now it's kind of like right yeah right that that would that's actually a really weird thing to think about if if you especially if you're unaware of it's kind of like if you're really enjoying battlestar galactica and then right in the middle of it and they're like oh you should watch the the new about what there's a new battlestar galactica there's a a new one and the new one is so different from the old one we were talking about right right so you know, but but anyway, yeah. There's 2021, and there's like season two going to be coming out already. So yeah, yeah, man. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention slash recommend, um, and I sort of, I don't know. I'm just trying to think of the you know the the anime that I saw in the last season because the a season just ended again. Um, and I had a couple from this season that I really enjoyed. Um, the first one I feel like I mentioned early. In the year, because what I did is I watched a couple of YouTubers' um, picks for the season early on. Yeah. And they'll do these, like, after, because, uh, you know, they have these seasons where a bunch of shows will start all at the same time, like in the same week. Kind of like our, you know, TV shows do if you're following new shows, which I don't really. But, yeah. Um, and so based on the first episode, they'll they'll do these recommendations and some of these i stuck with and watched and some of them i didn't um one that i really liked that was different from most any everything that i normally watch is called those snow white notes okay um and it's unfortunate that so many anime have awkward wordy kind of titles and i don't know if it's (laughs) a translation thing i know that sometimes it's not because i look at the japanese name and i'm like that's not any shorter than the english Uh, uh, version the translation but um this is a show about a guy who plays the shamisen which is it's sort of a japanese guitar but a it's a traditional um you know ancient instrument that they would use in you know old kinds of um 
I don't know, ceremonies and, and things like that. It's a long, a long necked three stringed, um, stringed instrument with a, with a sort of drum on the bowl of it, like a, um, a little bit like a banjo. But if you hear, if you hear it being played, you, you've probably heard it. If you've heard any, um, kind of traditional Japanese music and they play it with this, um, there's a word for it, but it's a, um, what is it like? It looks a little bit like a paint scraper. (laughs) <laughs> maybe okay. yeah I'm, it's it's not you know i don't think it's metal it's probably wood mm-hmm. um but it is it's sort of moon shaped on the front and and pointed on the ends so it's like a pick but a pick that fills your whole hand and so they're using sort of the edges of it to to do this stuff and it's a story of this um young man i think probably about high school age who idolizes his grandfather who had this uh distinct unique sound to his music that he is trying to reach and so he's played the shamisen his whole life and he goes to the city i think it's tokyo and it's just all the stuff that happens to him um the art style is kind of unique it's it's a little bit flat um and and two-dimensional i know that all anime is two-dimensional but um there's not a lot of detail and shading, I think, because the the production value and and effort in the in the production of the anime went into the music. Um, there's a lot of very good um, uh, performances of the instrument, and um, I really like the opening and ending music, at least for the first half of the show. Then they change it for a while, and it's brought back for the finale. But if you're interested in music. Or, you know, kind of music performance and, and that kind of stuff. I, I thought the show was really good. Oh, nice. The, uh, mm-hmm. I, I went to, I haven't watched a lot of series lately, although I've been trying, just catching up on movies, random, mm-hmm. or going back in my, my dialogue of stuff. And I, I watched, um, I mean, kind of Jones and Foray, James Bond type thing, uh, mm-hmm. kind of lately. And although I've seen the Daniel Craig stuff and I know that we have Skyfall on our list, so I don't want to rewatch that one. Um, so I'm like, uh, yeah, what should I watch? And I decided to go back and watch, uh, the Jack Reacher movies. Did you watch any of those with Tom Cruise? I didn't, but when, uh, when I was hanging out with, uh, the Trotsky's last night, we were browsing through stuff. We saw a, a Jack Reacher movie on the list. It's a, um, yeah, yeah. T- uh, uh, Tom Cruise. Yeah. Tom Cruise. Yeah. He, it's, it's it feels very American Bond esque, um, or yeah. Are those are those based on Tom Clancy books? They are not. The Tom Clancy books are um, Jack, Jack Ryan. Ryan. Yeah. So and it actually feels a it, lot like Jack Ryan. Yeah, it looked yeah. like a similar feel to yes. that kind of a you know one man on a not on a mission, but like you know the, something something's gone wrong, and there's only one man. Yeah, for type, the job type thing. Yeah, it, it is. It does. It does have that very much kind of a feel to it. So when I say James okay. Bond, it's much closer to Jack Ryan than, than James Bond for sure. sure. Um, um, but Jack Ryan, I mean, it's the same genre. Sorry, Jack Ryan is mm-hmm. is the uh, I'm a I'm a analyst for the CIA and get swept up into a thing, right? And he's always that, right? right? Um, and yeah. and this one, he is. And this this setup it is there's twelve it's it's twelve books I'm trying to think the guy's name I think his name is Lee Child or something 
Uh, he okay. was a, a writer that's done like 12 books and tons of little little no novellas of this character. So okay. he's, evidently it's a worldwide huge thing that I didn't know was a thing um, until this movie came out. And I, I enjoyed the first one. I hadn't seen the second one. I, I watched the second one the other day. Um, the second one didn't get as much of a critical acclaim as the first one. And I would agree with that. It, it's that Jack Reacher is a guy that's uh, he's got all the, the classic Bond type background of, you know, he's uh, best army ranger guy ever, you know, and then mm -hmm. um, had a great career, became a major and was a big investigator, a brilliant, uh, you know, police officer for the military and then investigator and detective. He was just a real guy and then left. Right. And now he just disappeared and wanders the, the United States with no trace whatsoever. Right. He retired or he like went into hiding. He just left. He just quit his job and decided to um, come back to the States and disappear. And that's kind of I one see. of the, the mystery things about like, why does he do it? Like a, like a, like a Jason Bourne kind of. Yeah, but intentional. Yes, like a Jason, Jason Bourne in that way, right? Because Jason Bourne goes and okay. dis disappears. Jason Bourne also is in the same genre, right? Right. Um, so he uh, and Reacher is is his stories are always about. Um, he is a guy that just roams the roams the states on his own, living as simple as possible with no connections, no anything, right? But the, the mm -hmm. clothes on his back, um, and then he ends up getting pulled into uh, a, a, whatever a situation might be. And hit the, the 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 desire to do right overwhelms him too much that he has to he has to get involved. Sure. Right. Sure. And, and he so he helps solve mysteries or and he's a total kick butt fighter guy too. Um. So it's really it's really really good in that. Like so the thing about him is with that situation is that he doesn't have to like necessarily uh, abide by the law. Whereas, you sure, know, sure. Jack Ryan is part of the military and, mm -hmm. uh, you know, there's a lot. So, so he, he doesn't, uh, you know, if, if somebody needs shot, he'll shoot him. He won't be like, oh, I've got to bring him to justice and put him in jail. That thing. He'll, <laughs> right. He'll right. go and in, in the first one, there's a great scene where one of the bad guys did something really bad. And he told it, he calls him up later and says, I'm going to, I'm going to beat you so hard. I'm going to punch you until your face is bleeding into your boot type thing. Um, mm -hmm. and then he gets him one-on-one -on -one and then he, you know, at gunpoint and he throws the gun down. He's like, okay, I'm going to fight you now. And we're going to do what I told you I was going to do. Right. Mm -hmm. And and then they, they fight. It's a big fight there. But that, that's, that's another thing. It's like, he doesn't have to you know, take him in Dano. He doesn't have to, you know, be a police officer type thing. Right. Um, right. so, and, and that was really good in the first one. I think that was something that was the, the best part of the show was that he's this cool guy who works outside the law to get something that needs right fixed against people who, mm -hmm. who are using, abusing the system, you know, and, and, and they're playing the, the police officers and some are bought off the police officers and stuff. So he goes right. around that, which is really neat. The second one is based on a, a, a later book and is good, but it misses what it misses that whole point of what he is by having, he has a, a, a female that kind of goes with him and it's kind of, she's kind of his equal in it. Okay. And it's played sure. by, it's played by the, the girl I used to like in how I met your mother. Um, she's also in, um, she's Col Kobe Smulders. Kobe Smulders. Yeah. Okay. And, and she is kick butt in, in it. Like she is totally okay. like his equal. It's great. Right. But mm -hmm. the thing is, is that like it, it, it's kind of like having James Bond with another bond. 
right? You, like mm. it, it kind of lessens Bond, you know? Right. Not not because it's a female or anything. It's just because you want to see Jack Reacher do Jack Reacher cool stuff, not have sure. this other person who's doing the cool stuff and he's kind of a just on, along for the ride. Um, right. Which is so. In other words, she kind of outshines him in that way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, which is no small task with Tom Cruise on the screen. Uh, right. <laughs> right. But but it, but yeah, it, it makes it where it's not as compelling as what the first one was cool. You, you want to watch that, that cool thing. So that's why mm. I think it got, got lower, lower scores, but it, it's a completely serviceable movie. Um, and, uh, Colby Smulders is, it's definitely when she started getting her, I think somebody watched that and there's like, okay, she needs to be the, the, um, number two person in shield, you know, that's how sure. she got that job. Uh, but yeah, I, I, I enjoy the Jack Reacher shows and I, I don't think they'll ever have another one, but I, the way that fe- second one felt was, cause I saw, I watched some of the extras the, afterwards. The mm-hmm. author is like so excited to have these a movie, right? Be his movies. And they chose sure. the book. They chose to model these two out of a books. Cause he's like, um, he said the first movie was like the fourth book or something. He says, cause it's the best introduction to Jack Reacher, like to who mm. he is. Like, hey, that makes sense. Okay. Cool. It's your first movie. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And then the second one, was like reader's favorite. And that makes sense because probably they've been reading like okay. 10 yeah. books of yeah. this same kind of guy. And then book 11 or whatever it might be is like, Oh, there's this really compelling female character finally, who is like as good as him. And they probably are real excited to see that. But for a movie, a second movie, maybe not the great choice. Yeah. It's like when I was looking at, uh, you know voyager deep space nine you know i first looked for like what are the top 10 episodes and in in some shows like maybe in next generation you could do that um but in a show that is a little bit uh serialized not episodic like like deep space nine is or one like voyager which gets really heavy character driven yeah well this is true for deep space nine too like um, you know, the example I always give is the, the, one of the top episodes of Deep Space Nine is this episode where Nog has PTSD and he's recovering f- by, you know, living in the hollow suites for a while. Yeah. And it's a really good story. Like it's a, you know, he's dealing with this, with this grief and he's got this sort of psychosomatic, uh, you know, issues and it's really good. But if you don't know if you've never watched Deep Space Nine and you don't know who Nog is or who any of these other characters who are his friends who come in and talk to him like you're not going to be able to appreciate that at all yeah um and it's yeah it's that kind of like you know the top 10 versus like a more thoughtful curated like here's the best way you should watch this or here are the book stories that you should you know, read or watch first. It's interesting. In the right way. Yeah. And that's, that's how I felt this one was too. It's like, I'd probably get it, especially if if I didn't realize this was such a prolific book series. Mm. And, you know, I I would guess as an author, you're like, I got one shot to make a movie. I got to do it. And then the second time, Oh, we're going to have a second one. Okay. I got, I got a second one. What can I do with my favorite? Right. You you put your favorite out there, not Mm -hmm. hoping that you'll have maybe even another one. So, yeah. yeah, it's probably good for them, but you know, who, who knows? We'll have another Jack Reacher movie. It's made. It's the funny thing is that those are made by like Tom Cruise's company, that Skydance Films. Okay, uh, sure. 
which he, that's all he does anymore, right? Like he, he only does movies for his movie company, which makes sense. Um, mm-hmm. and, and because of that, he can make whatever movies he wants. It doesn't matter. Right. Like if he likes the mission impossible characters and the stories and making those movies, that's fun. He's just going to keep making them whether they make a mm-hmm. billion dollars or not, you know, unlike Disney who will make a movie. And if it, it does terrible, they probably won't make a second one. Right. Uh, he'd be like, I don't care. I, I love making this thing. I'll keep making it. So, cause, mm-hmm. cause he's got more money than God probably. <laughs> and they, and they can do that. So it's right. anyway, who knows? They, there might be other Jack Reacher movies, but you know, I don't know if we'll see any more of those. Uh, another thing I played, I wanted to mention on the show, we've got a little bit of time here. Uh, I played, I, I bought and played a game called Sea of Thieves this week with, Oh yeah. That's a, that multiplayer pirate pirate game. game. Yeah. It's so I won't spend a lot of time on this, but it's interesting. Um, I, I got it in our, we, we are our friends of the show, the Haralovich brothers, once Ben and, and Zahn, two of the three of mm-hmm. our friends. Uh, yep. played it with me we both we all bought it and hopped on we only played it one night so we're just like literally figuring some things out not not doing sure, too much but sure. it's it's a weird thing that it's it's like a it's a multiplayer game meaning that it it, it really has to be played multiplayer you can mm-hmm. play it solo but um it's a sandbox let's just say start off with that it's a sandbox where it's an open huge map uh on an ocean and there's lots of islands everywhere right um right. And you have to pilot a ship, right? And depending on how many people are in your on your party, the bigger the ship you have, okay? Um, mm-hmm. And you play it's between one to four players, um, but it's it's kind of difficult because you're run it's it's there's PvP elements to it, so there are mm-hmm. other there are other pirates running around trying to, and they'll see you and they'll go to their ships and they'll come and shoot you and try to try to kill you, and let me tell you as a single player running around piloting the ship then running around trying to get on the cannons and shoot the cannons while also paying attention to them coming over on your ship and shooting them hand to hand is just not as easy as if you had four people doing all those things i mean we know from pirates of the caribbean that you need a whole crew to get a (laughs) a ship ready to to leave port to leave port right Um, i think that happens i've only seen that movie once (laughs) right so so yeah that's that's kind of the, the the gist of it but um the thing, the things that are great about it is that you do, you need four and it's well done and that you can't just do things by yourself. Like, it's really cool that when I'm, I'm driving the ship, let's say like, oh, it's cool that I'm driving the ship. I can't see anything because there's big, huge sails in front of me. Right. <laughs> right. I right. don't know where I'm going. I can't see rocks ahead. So we have sure. somebody run up to the perch and he's talking and you're saying, okay, watch out. You need to go about 10 degrees to the left because there's a rock and turn there and when you're piloting, you're dealing with sway and stuff, and you can't control the speed either. So you have to have somebody else whose job is to to like man the sails, whether they're up, down, half mast, turn into the wind, out of the wind, type stuff. And then occasionally one guy will run down and he'll be the map. He'll look at the map in the captain's quarter and tell us, okay, we actually have to go into these coordinates and map out our direction. So all that's mm-hmm. happening all kind of at once, which is okay. you know, which is like. And you need everyone to do those things and to be having talking all the whole time, right? Um, right. To be successful, which which is neat. Um, and you go and there's little missions. You go to like the a town, and there's little mission givers, and they'll say, "Oh, go find a treasure on this island," and you have to get there with all that coordination. 
there are sea monsters that will come attack, players that would come attack, NPC ships with skeletons that'll come and attack. Um, and then, you know, it's the same thing too. Is if you don't want to get attacked, you can also, if you're really good at sailing, you can sail out, sail people that get too far away. If you're better than right, sure, sure. Stuff. So anyway, you um, go get the treasure, bring it back to the town, and you get basically exp. And when you level up, you get things like uh, new ship flags, uh, n- new shirts, new look guns. Not new guns, but like skins for your guns. It's all very all cosmetics, right? Okay, sure. So you're you're sailing the black ship with the black sails if you want, you know, um, with a pirate that has a patch. There's pets with the, like a ghost dog maybe you want, and it, it's all that kind of stuff. Um, which so it's pretty fun, but the real the 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 fun part about it is that you're playing with friends, you know, and mm-hmm. you're, you're talking a lot, which was quite an experience playing with the Horaloviches, which is our 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 like I said the friends I was saying. The, they tend to be by their nature chaotic people, and they were having right, very right. much fun of doing the the, the odd things, right? Uh, and sure. and I was like, it's it felt like I was on for the ride. He's holding on to the end of a motorcycle with. Um, Roller skates, right? <laughs> Wherever they're going to take you, we're going. And let's just do it. Hey, let's just see what happens if we ran into those rocks. Let's just let's see. I don't know. What happens if I throw a grenade on the deck? Let's just find out, you know. Oh, he's crazy. Because there's really no consequences either. It's like you die, you go back to the town. You sure. Gotta, sure. You got to start over. Um, but it, it has, so it has launched like a free expansion type thing to it where it has single player content. Um, okay. So you can go and you play stories. They're called pirate tales. And there, it took us about two hours to go through. Zon and I went through it and they are very story. Where it's just you and you're going through a story, right? Okay. With some platforming and puzzle elements to it. Um, right. And it's all themed around Jack Sparrow, like the, the Disney Jack Sparrow. They licensed from okay. Disney. Okay. Yeah. Um, and if, if you like Jack Sparrow and Disney, it's a brand new Jack Sparrow story with Davy Jones which is cool. Mm-hmm. If you don't like Jack, Jack Sparrow stuff, you're not going to like it at all. <laughs> sure. Cause it's, you know, him doing his Johnny Depp stuff. Sure. His, um, his shtick, his shtick. Yeah. So it, it's, it's fun. I did feel like I get to be a pirate. Probably the coolest thing in the whole thing is that there are instruments, like five different instruments and that you can pick shanties. Say there's like 10 different shanties and you can play the shanty okay. on a, uh, like a banjo or something. And if you're I next, like shanties. To, yeah. And if you're next to somebody else and they pull out their drum, they'll start playing the drum part of the shanty to you. So everybody's mm-hmm. sends around occasionally on the ships, just playing their instruments to a shanty while singing, which is pretty great. Um, yeah, that's that was really fun. I also played Demio, which is the the we talked about Demio a lot in VR. They had a new expansion called the Rat King, Lair of the Rat King, or something. Oh yeah, for VR. Mm-hmm. It's the the first one was very easy, and they went the opposite direction with this one. It's insanely hard. Okay, it's just you die. Everybody dies in the second board out of three, and it's and when you get to the last guy, he's so overwhelmingly impossible, hardly to beat, that people are like, "How are you supposed to beat this?" So they kind of overcompensated for their their easy difficulty and put a mm. uber hard one in. Um, yeah, we, we've had a couple guys play it. We played it for a while and then died after two hours. And we're like, yeah, okay, uh, I'm going to be done. You know, because <laughs> you just you just didn't feel before it was hard, but not too hard. And you felt accomplished when you'd win. But man, sure, spending sure. two hours and then you just get wiped by like 
why is there 7,000 rats? You know, it's just that it's <laughs> impossible to win. Feels doesn't feel yeah. so great. Yeah. Yeah. So I would not call that a great expansion uh, to it. So yeah, that's, that's what I did. It's a, bu- it's a bummer. Yeah. Um, what else? I had one last thing. Oh, Trotsky and I watched a movie called Barb and Star go to Vista Del Mar. Oh, I saw the trailer for that. It looked, I don't know. Like, is it yeah if i was drinking is it good or <laughs> yeah I... I think i think that's basically what it is it's uh it's Kristen wig and some other uh what i think are maybe saturday night live alums or um you know some of the same people involved in that bridesmaids movie and a couple of these other kind of screwball comedies so, so is it just um, goofy is that what it is it's supposed to be goofy that's, it's that's pretty what... goofy uh it's got the guy who played the lead in the 50 shades movies, which I never saw, but I recognize that guy. Um, and yeah, it's just like, they're, they're both playing these kind of, um, stereotype middle-aged women. Um, and the thing that made us, uh, press play on it last night is Trotsky was looking through the IMDb reviews and they were all either one star or 10 stars. Mm -hmm. And I was like, what is so, um, uh, like polarizing about this movie and we watched the trailer and some parts of the trailer we were like uh what and then there were other parts that we laughed out loud at so we're like okay i think i see i see what's happening here it's a, <laughs> a little longer than it needed to be i think though i maybe just think that because i started to nod off toward the end because not because the movie was boring but because i had gotten about three hours of sleep the night before <laughs> right uh, over at do, do they go on an adventure? Is that is that what happens? They go on an adventure. Basically, they go to Vista Del Mar, Florida, and um, have some have some adventures, have some miscommunications, um, some misunderstandings. There's some some sight gags, a lot of just ridiculous kind of uh, kind of comedy to it, and then a couple of random songs like show tune sequences <laughs> they're show tunes? We're like, <laughs> okay we're like wait what's 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 happening like it's out of nowhere the all of the um the staff in the really nice hotel break into song like that uh that one song in annie when she gets to the mansion and you're <laughs> like w- wait what what's going on here <laughs> <laughs> oh man that, that does sound weird it was yeah. this a uh was this a saturday night Live skit or something i i really don't know I don't yeah. know what where there's the, the trailer felt like it was one of those like they yeah it had it has that vibe for sure yeah well and maybe maybe that is a drink a little bit of stuff and chill out for a while before <laughs> try yeah i mean maybe maybe check out the trailer and if it that seems they're gonna use some of the jokes that so the trailer the was pretty spot on about what what it was then right yeah i think the trailer was an accurate indication of uh of <laughs> what, what you're getting was like Except it didn't prepare us for the musical numbers. So. Oh yeah, and I said that, yeah. that I would not have guessed that that was had some musical numbers yeah. in it. Yeah, <laughs> funny, cool man. I think we got it. We got him this week. All right, man. We're watching Rosencrantz and Guildenstern are dead. That is it. We'll that is a that. mouthful. We'll talk about that next week. I don't know when you want to talk about Loki. Maybe we can wait till the whole thing is done. Yeah, that's probably best. I still not right caught on. up with it. I think there's a week or two. I still am behind. Oh, gotcha. Okay. All right. Well, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 202, 202. Thanks as always to our friends at Geek Scholars Movie News and LRM Online. If you want to reach out to us with suggestions for movies or shows or 
games or anything that you think that we would enjoy or enjoy talking about, uh, you can use the contact forms on our website, frontporchpodcast.com. Or if you're old school, you can email us directly at the address frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you enjoy the front porch, please consider subscribing on all the places. And if you like the show, give us a positive review. That would be awesome. As always, thanks so much for joining us. And until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. To the front porch. Hi, everybody. See you next time.